Okay, are we good then? Yeah, I'd say so. So just start. Okay. Hi, welcome to Bingeable. Uh, I'm Jake, and I, Scott's back this time. Yes, hi. Sorry I was absent last time. I feel like I'm in school when I say the word absent. <laughs> feeling better. School. And now Lindsay's gone. So I feel like we can never share our same room. No, that, there's some complex history there. I'm just kidding. Hi. Oh, there were some, like, several exciting to me Netflix announcements this week. Oh, a few announcements that I'd love to talk about as well as soon as you're done with yours, yeah. Yeah, well, they're probably some of the same ones. Probably some, yeah. Uh... The first one I saw earlier in the week was um, Dear White People was renewed for season two. Woohoo! Have you watched it? Um, I've seen about four episodes of the first season because okay. my roommate was watching it, but I really liked it and mean to get on it as soon as I'm done with the shows I'm currently trying to get through. <laughs> right. There's just so many shows. There's so many. No, I'm only, I'm only, I'm like a little over halfway through it, um, but I really like it and I was just pleasantly surprised that it got renewed because based on the vile internet comments about that show i wondered how many people were actually watching it but oh i think enough. i think enough yeah with the controversy yeah that's true maybe that got more people to watch it have you seen the movie it's based on by the way yeah but i i i'm gonna formally recommend the show sometime in the future once i finished it i have you seen the movie no i was just curious if you had to see how it compares but well because i so i I'll, I'll talk more about this when i recommend the show but i would actually recommend not watching the movie before watching the show. Because, yeah, because the show, they say that it's based on the movie, that's the way they phrase it, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's kind of a sequel to the movie, except it, like, recaps everything that the movie covers, but the part that was difficult for me is they have, like, one or two cast members playing their characters from the movie in the TV show, mm -hmm. but other than that, it's all recast, same characters, different actors, and that was just really hard for me to get past, mm -hmm. but if that's not something that would bother you, then I guess... The movie's worth watching beforehand. Anyway, so that I was excited about. Stranger Things Season 2 got an official date. October 27th. Yeah, I, which I hadn't realized it didn't have one. Because they had just vaguely said like Halloween, so I assumed they meant actually Halloween Day, but I guess it's the 27th. I guess so. Uh, so that's good. And then Bojack Horseman was announced for September 8th. Nice. Which I... We have to cover that. We show. will definitely be covering that when that comes out, yeah. yeah. I, I did not catch that news. You didn't? No. Oh, I'm so... And I, was, I mean, I wasn't nervous because I knew it was renewed for season four, but mm -hmm. they've been totally silent about it, and it usually comes out about this time every summer. So I'm relieved. Were there other announcements that you saw? Yeah, so not necessarily related to Netflix, although that was some good announcements that I didn't even, like, think to... Or didn't even look at myself. But True Detective, I don't know if you saw that. That's a show that I've really loved on HBO, that um, has kind of been in a hiatus. It came out initially in the fall of 2013, and then they had a second season in the, in the spring to summer of 2015. And then because that second season was not as well received as the first, and there were some pr there were some pretty like polarizing reviews for it, or something. I don't know. There was probably a lot of drama going on behind the scenes that I don't even like have any idea about. But True Detective kind of fell off the air with like an indefinite. Maybe we'll make a third season. And there's finally been announced that Mahershala Ali is going to star and it's the star of the third season, which I love him. I'm oh, is it all official? Yeah, they they don't have anything. They don't have anything really released on 
a time frame or like a setting because it's an anthology show so each season is very unrelated to the next um but it has been released that there will be a third season and he's gonna star and so i mean he's coming up really strong like i watched him in house of cards for four seasons and was mesmerized by the way that he captured a character that i had no idea that could be as captivating as he was and then he won the Oscar last year for Moonlight, which is an award I feel he very well deserved. And now he's going to be coming up in another favorite show of mine. So that was a big news thing that I saw, excited about. That's awesome. I didn't know it was all official. How did you feel about season two? You know, I actually was in the minority. I, re- I watched it, but the thing is, I didn't watch it week to week like a lot of people did. Oh, okay. I got really sick last summer and decided now will be my time to watch True Detective. So I watched both seasons in like four days. Oh, wow. Most of the second season in one day. I was too scared the first season. It was really scary for me for some reason. <laughs> that last episode just made that me like creepy. creep, yeah, cringe from creepiness, but in a good way. I love horror, but I just like that was like it got to me when it involves kids, and so I, um, yeah, I watched the second one and I really liked it altogether. I can see why people maybe didn't like it. It was very confusing. It reminded me though of something like The Godfather with like crime families, mob bosses. Right. And I love crime crime drama. In fact, we're going to discuss one today that we just started watching. And I love, like, the like mafia-style movies. I've watched The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 more times than I can kind of forget The Godfather Part 3 exists for good reason. But I, I really liked it, and I'm hoping that, that people will still come back to True Detective Season 3 after having seen that and give it another chance. I'm sure they will. I'm hoping, yeah, or I'm, I'm sure people miss it more now than they realize, but still. Yeah, I never finished season two, and maybe I will. I, th- I remember, I think I made it exactly halfway through, uh, to whenever they ha- there's like a big shootout scene, and that should have kept me watching. I don't know why it didn't, but that shootout scene was like the big one of the bigger climaxes for sure. And after that, it got it got crazy, but yeah. it was not what I expected at the end. But still, I I enjoyed it. I thought right. it was good enough for me. That's good. I think I think my I antagonized it because it made me feel stupid because I had a hard time understanding what was going on a lot of the time. Anyway, uh, okay. Anything else? That was my biggest announcement. I noticed I made it sound like I had a ton, but like, <laughs> I was mostly thinking that if you didn't announce some of the the, the Stranger Things thing or the or the um, what if the first one, Dear White People thing, that I would have announced either one of those when you mentioned Netflix things that I assumed that was on the list. <laughs> it was in the hodgepodge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it'll be fun to talk about Stranger Things. Oh yeah, I love Stranger Things. I have a poster upstairs of Stranger nice. Things. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and it's gonna have the... I dressed up as Barb last year for Halloween. No, you didn't? Are there pictures online? Mm, there are. Okay, I'm gonna find them. Later. You're gonna find them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We are going to do something uh, maybe kind of geeky today, but I really love the Emmys. Oh, I love award shows. And tomorrow morning, I believe, the Emmy nominations are going to be announced. Tomorrow morning? Let me find out what time, yeah. Yeah, sometime uh, kind of early in the morning, I think. Yeah, I always get up for the Oscars, like, to watch that live, because I'm always like, ah! Yeah. But I'm going to find out real real quick what time, so if you guys are willing to wake up that early yourselves, (laughs) I will be joining you. But what we're going to do is have our own Emmy picks, so we're going to just pick a few categories and name shows and actors that, basically, that we would vote for if we got to vote for the Emmys. These are not predictions, they're not things that we think will win, it's just that in our ideal world, uh, what we want to win. Did you find it? I did. 
Um, apparently it's not as early as the Oscars one is because the Oscars one I think they always do it on Pacific time it's like 5am yeah it's like ridiculously early but for the Emmys it'll be at 11.30am Eastern time Um, and you can stream it on 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 their Facebook page as well as the Emmy Award website and like E.T. and CBS News will have some highlight reels later on that day if you don't feel like watching it or can't watch it at that time great we're just going to Name some basic categories. Uh, I think we're going to do our favorite uh, drama series, comedy series, and limited series, which includes like anthologies or mini series that are a just one and done thing. And then we're going to do one actor and one actress from each of those genres as well. And the actual Emmys are divided up into lead and supporting actors and actresses, but I thought that might get tedious for us to just highlight our favorite people so I just ambiguously combined mine some of my actors and actresses are in lead roles and some are supporting but oh well right that happens um so I don't know I like fanfare so should we start with acting yeah I'd say let's like do it the way they do it and they start off with acting and then they do the big show like reveal the end of everything yeah right okay uh, I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, should we start with limited, maybe? Yeah, let's guess that's how they do it, too. Did so I start with limited? Because they, <laughs> yeah. they, they go limited comedy drama. I think that's right, what they're like. Right, because drama's like the, the big. It's like, yeah, the best picture. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, and if you don't know, so the Emmy uh, time frame or whatever is from the June to May of a year, basically. So... And that's when a show starts, not when it ends. So, like, Game of Thrones is not qualified this year. Right. Game of Thrones uh, doesn't qualify. And, yeah, it's kind of weird to think about because, like, so Stranger Things is eligible this year because it came out last July. Exactly. So, even though it feels like a long time ago, now is its chance to get its big award. So, uh, for a limited series, my favorite actor that I chose was John Turturro from The Night Of. Did you watch that last year? I did. I was so excited that you mentioned him because he was definitely one of my top picks. He wasn't the one I picked, but he was one of my top picks. Like I, I'll, I have some honorable mentions as well. So you'll have to, you'll like, you're gonna hear me blather on about all these people that I'm like obsessed okay. with. Okay, no, that's so. good. I'll probably mention some too. Um, yeah, the night of was really awesome. It was so well shot, and like all the performances in that show were awesome. I, I really wanted to highlight something from it uh, out of everything that I picked for this. Um, but John Turturro plays an attorney, right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, <laughs> well, yeah, he's trying to like, he's trying to be an attorney and he's like this like failing criminal defense lawyer who yes, gets his, who hits it big with like a major case client who is like the subject of the, of the that's series. right. Yeah. And the show kind of goes into his personal life a bit and focuses way too much on his feet. <laughs> he has really bad eczema, but I related to that because I have really bad eczema on my hands, not on my feet. Um, but like, <laughs> that, that was the first time we were For the viewers, or for the listeners at home, you, he does not have that bad eczema <laughs> on his you hands. Know, I got some better stuff recently that's helping it, but I felt very um, represented as someone who identifies as an eczema victim. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I really liked his role, and he was my favorite. What? Uh, should we just go category by category, each of our picks? I don't know. Yeah, I'd say that's fine. We can like each compare which one we, we thought would win. Yeah. So uh, or should win. For mine, is Ewan McGregor for Fargo. Um, um, because he did a really masterful job of creating a set of twins that were very alike in some ways and very, very different in other ways this season. Um, and 
I don't know. I mean, there were points that he that the character was definitely a little over the top, but I think that was kind of the point. Often in Fargo, characters are a little bit over the top with this weird ability to also stay reserved, but he hit that perfectly. Like, And I always am really impressed whenever one actor can play two characters on the same movie or TV show. I mean, the first time I saw it happen was Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap when I was really young, and I was pretty excited <laughs> about that. But... Um, this time around, with like as heavy of a t- subject as it was, like like murder, intrigue, um, like corruption, any all that kind of stuff that was like pervading the season for Fargo, it was amazing to see someone that I thought uh, that I still to this day think of as Obi Wan Kenobi really go that deep and be that dark. Yeah, he was a close second for me actually because I seriously during Fargo season three I. I never even thought about, like, after the first episode where you get used to it, mm-hmm. I never was thinking, oh, that's, you know, McGregor playing two people. I was just like, these are two characters that happen to be twins, and they're in this world, and mm-hmm. I'm watching them. Like, it it wasn't even, I stopped thinking about the fact that he was acting, which, in in my book, that's like that's true. a sign that you're, <laughs> that you're really immersing yourself into the character. For sure. And I also mentioned David Thewlis and Michael Stuhlbarg from that season of Fargo. They played VM Varga and Seifeltz, respectively, the mysterious British man with the, with the bulimia, as well as the, like, who ends up being the big villain, and then his assistant. And then I also thought of, again, like you mentioned, Jake, uh, John Turturro and Riz Ahmed, the two yeah. main characters of The Night Of, who both, for me, were just stellar. They were. Okay, so my favorite actress in a limited series from this past year was Nicole Kidman in Big Little Eyes. That was mine too. Yes, we matched up. We matched up. We might match up a few more times. Yeah, we probably will. Uh, she. So honestly, I, I kind of wanted to sweep everything in, well, our three limited series categories with Big Little Eyes. Um, I was torn about like... Do I love a sweep more, or do I love spreading the love more? So I went with spreading the love in my picks overall, but I want Big Little Eyes to win everything at heart, I think. The show is amazing, and I, Nicole Kidman is what, for me, like helped me realize what the show was, that it was so much more than, I don't know, a lot of people call it trashy when it started. And exactly, or Desperate Housewives, but rated R, or something like that. Right, <laughs> I called it that too after the first episode, I was like, it's kind of like Desperate Housewives on steroids, mm-hmm. because it's, I think, with such a small taste of the series, it's hard to understand what it was, but uh, Nicole Kidman's arc, and especially through her acting about domestic abuse and her therapy scenes talking about that, mm-hmm. were that's some of the best acting I've ever seen, and that's what helped me realize that the show was going for so much deeper things than than anybody thought it was when I started. I agree, and I can only echo that since, that, like I said, my, my choice for best actress for the limited series as well was Nicole Kidman. And I think it's because, you know, it's easy to like maybe gravitate towards Reese Witherspoon who just like stole every scene she was in she with did. her like really like catty and mean and type A personality, pers- like like her personality in that. And you can like, it was also very believable. Like I know Reese Witherspoon from my people I like that know her and that write reports about how their interactions go with her on a personal level. She's the nicest lady, but she nailed it with that personality. But Nicole Kidman's quiet and unlike very like reserved acting was like almost scarily realistic. Like I mean, I mean, like I mean, I just like I've never like been so affected by a performance by by someone who was portraying a victim of domestic abuse because. 
seeing that made me realize that there are signs and things out there that we just like we we get told in so many big flashy scenes and movies like that women or men that are victims of domestic abuse are going to be super angry all the time and they're going to lash out and they're going to um, they're going to constantly have bruises on the part on the parts of the body they can you can see like on their arms and while she had a few of that thing a few moments like that it was just her silent turmoil of like what do I do that was like so personally portrayed that I loved yeah yeah she I'll be I'll be completely fine if that whole cast just like takes up yeah all, all of three of them acting. yeah <laughs> uh, okay so do we want to do limited series as a whole right now. Yeah, why don't we go ahead, go do the, do what they do in the Emmys, and they do it limited series comedy and then drama. We'll just do all three okay, in a row. Yeah, right. So, uh, so I was I was really torn about this, but I did like these two shows pretty much equally, Big Little Lies and what I ended up choosing for my favorite limited series, and I chose Feud. Oh, uh, that's one I've not seen yet. Betty and Joan, I guess, is the full title, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't recommend it more. I mean, I literally recommended it on this podcast at some point. So, I mean, you can, if you've been listening, then you've already heard me describe what the show is about. Um, but it's an, a new, well, this was the first season, an anthology series from Ryan Murphy, and it's uh, incredible uh, performances from Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon, who portray Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, uh, respectively. But the whole cast, with minor characters and everything, is, is incredible as well. And my favorite thing about this show is the setting. It takes place mostly through the 60s and 70s, and... It was just a fully immersive experience. I never felt like I was looking at production value. I just felt like I was in those time periods. And the show took on really interesting themes, uh, kind of similar to Big Little Lies. I uh, would have thought, knowing Ryan Murphy, um, especially in his earlier work, I expected a show that was basically glorifying catfighting, which it does in some small ways, but it really delves into the complexities of uh, friendship and nostalgia and self-image, like these really deep themes. So that was my favorite limited series this year. It's a good choice. I haven't actually seen Feud yet, but I've heard many good things about it. And I know that Ryan Murphy does have a pretty good knack for for start, so like a, like the start of a show. It usually fizzles out, and I hope it doesn't do it for Feud or American Crime Story. Um, but a few of his other shows, like Glee and American Horror Story, they have definitely been showing very strong signs of that but i do want to talk about american horror story i'll mention that i'm going to say my favorite limited series was big little lies i could watch it many times over and in fact i already have watched it a few times through and a few like three like more than two yes (laughs) oh my gosh and it's only seven episodes so it's it's really not that long but i watched it week to week when it came out and i was just mesmerized by every episode as it came out I loved that each episode closed with like almost like I'm pretty sure that every episode closes with like a back shot of one of the women, the main woman of the show, and I thought that it's just so interesting that the final episode, the final shot is all of them from the front, and so it just shows that they're taking control of their own lives and not like and I don't know and then for me, form, and I love Jean-Marc Vallée, his movies Wild and Dallas Buyers Club are two of my favorite of the last few years, and he directed every episode of this series as well and. You can see his style. He loves quick cut editing and like, and it, but he does it in a way that really works. And just the performances. I cannot talk enough. I already mentioned Nicole Kidman's, but Shailene Woodley and Reese Witherspoon um, just kill it. Um, Alexander Skarsgård plays a really awesome, like a really like awful and scary character, but he does a really good job of making me believe he, that that's really how he is. 
the kids whose names I'll never be able to remember, but the kids who did actually some pretty awesome acting in the oh, few yeah, scenes like, they were in. The like six year old kids did some crazy child acting. It's right? true. Like yeah. the Shailene Woodley's son, um, it starts with the Z Ziggy. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, he. His the actor that plays him, I was just like, wow, like he is handling some very tough lines, as well as Reese Witherspoon's like curly haired daughter who was like her young the, daughter. The I music think that's an adult in a child's yeah. body. Like it's almost eerie the way that she can act with confidence and stuff. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, that was my pick. So that we're gonna I guess move on to comedy. I can go first this time if you want. Oh uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just like dominating. No, you're good. No, I mean I was just thinking that we could switch off. But for me, so we're gonna start with the actress from comedy. And for me, my pick, which was, it was a tough choice between two, um, but I'm going to go for the far out and left field pick that probably won't win the Emmy because my, she's never been nominated before, but Constance Wu for Fresh Off the Boat. Nice. She plays the matriarch of the, of the family that's the center of attention in the show, um, named Jessica Huang. And I swear, the show, I would have probably given up on it a lot sooner. I mentioned it as like one of the first shows I ever recommended on here, but I would have given up on it probably after maybe partway through season two, had it not been for the way that she just is so amazing in every episode. There's no, without fail, at least four or five times that she'll deliver a one-liner that I'll just like die over. I can't, like, I, I can't stop laughing. And what the best part about it is, is that like, it's... So it's like it's just like somebody who um, I like follow on Twitter. I'm not a very common. I don't follow many celebrities, but she's like somebody who I feel like is just a great person, and that a lot of what she says on the show is how she actually feels. So like, there's this element of realism. I don't know. I really like that. Sweet. That's on my list of shows to eventually watch. Uh, okay, my favorite comedy actress. Uh, this will be her her first year being eligible. Her show is new. Uh, and I really hope that she gets a nomination. Um, but I chose Issa Rae from Insecure. That's um, a good choice. Yes. Mm -hmm. I really love her, um, in that show. I mean, she does everything for that show, pretty much. She writes it, um, maybe directed some episodes, I'm not sure, but, uh, it's like her thing. And I would love to see her get recognized, um, for her work in the leading role. Mm -hmm. Uh, she plays kind of another version of herself. The character's name is Issa. I think she has a different last name, which is kind of the standard thing to do in comedy when you base it on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she does, um, she's very funny. I mean, this is a comedy category, right? Uh, but she does some interesting, more serious work on that show too. It goes into some dramatic areas. And I love, I love seeing a newcomer win, <laughs> and the Emmys is not good at that. Uh, no. Maybe we'll talk, we'll probably go over the actual nominations next week, and I'll probably have a lot of venting to do about it. Oh, I will too, because I'm pretty sure that my, the one I tied it for, but is like, who is like, she wins it every year, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus right. for Veep. I'm sure she'll win it again this year. She probably will, and I love her. I love, I love her, her and Veep, and, and I love Veep, Veep too. but it, sometimes it gets boring when the same thing sweeps every year. True. So anyway, Issa Rae, Insecure Season 2 actually starts in a couple weeks, and if Scott and Lindsay will allow it. I actually really want to. I would love to talk about it. Yeah, I meant I forgot to mention some of my um, runner-ups as well, just for those that like feel like I'm shafting anybody. But just I like back it's like a little bit clock back, but Fargo, American Horror Story, and The Night of were two or three other ones I thought about. And the only reason I mentioned I kind of dogged American Horror Story, but this sixth season really redeemed it from the last little bit. But bringing it back to comedy again. I like season six too. I'm glad you did. A lot yeah. of people hated it. I really liked it. The ending episode was kind of meh for me, but the rest of it was really a, a, a return to form 
for like it really actually scared me at times. Like yeah. the seasons four and five, no, no, I was, was dragon. Yeah, combination. exactly. But season six, it was definitely a cliche format with the with the with the docu drama like reenactment like found footage style way they filmed it. But it was really effective in a lot of other ways. Like, I remember that I actually cowered behind my pillow while watching yeah. it a few points, which I never did in the other shows, of yeah. other seasons. I know. I'm not even sure I could rewatch it because of the format. Like, in retrospect, a lot of it's kind of, like, canceled out by the way the show went. Mm-hmm. But, but as far as, like, keeping me interested week by week and, like, actually caring about what was going to happen on American Horror Story, this, mm-hmm. this was the first season I did that in a long time. Really? But and, sidebar. Yeah, no, and I was going to say, and then my other sidebar, again, with for my honorable mentions for comedy would be, again, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Anna Chlumsky, I don't know how you pronounce her name, Chlumsky. Oh, uh, yeah, I for the, Amy Brookheimer is one of my favorite characters. She she just cracks me up every time. Issa Rae, as well, for Insecure, was one of my runner-up. Zazie Beats from Atlanta. I don't know if any of you watched that, but I'll be bringing that show up I again. I have to watch that. Atlanta was one of my favorite shows this year, but it will, but Zazie it plays the main one of the main women in the show named Vanessa. And then for our show, we recently discussed Glow, Allison Brie and Betty Gilpin and Sidel Noel, um, who play, um, shoot, I'm already losing their names in my head, but Ruth um, and Ruth's best friend who she was sleeping with, her husband whose name is Debbie. Debbie. I was going to say Betty, but that's her name in real life. And then Cherry. And then also wanting to also mention, just as a side note, Drew Barrymore from Santa Clarita Diet. She did a great job this year on that show. And Glow is another tricky one where... It came out right after the cutoff, so it won't be eligible till the next really? Emmys. And so, I, I hope people don't forget about it. I hope so not either. It probably will be though. Yeah. So, yeah, I've no. I just like I've been realizing this, like in the past couple of years, that that's why I didn't ever think about why summer is considered the bad season for TV. But no, it's I'm kind of like it's like January through March for movies, where all the movies going for awards released by the end of the year, and with Emmys, all the shows going for awards tend to release in the spring, so then in summer it's kind of slim pickings. Oh, yeah. But it's been an all right summer. Anyway, what are we on now? Um, so our guest now, actor for comedy? Yeah. Are you going yeah, to so go I, Yeah, I was going to say. And so I just brought it up, but I'm going to bring it up again. Um, Donald Glover for Atlanta is who I chose for the winner. Um, he plays Earn Marks, and again, Atlanta is a show I've watched now like three times through. Um and he also is the one, I believe, kind of like in the way that Issa Rae is for Insecure, but like in a but for less autobiographical. Like Donald Glover said that the show is based on a lot of his life, but um, you can hear his like just his form of comedy in there. Like I don't know if any of you out there are community fans, but like this show is not for community fans necessarily. Like it's not the same kind of humor, but you can hear Donald Glover's charm and his wit, and he's very funny. And in the whole season, like, what what really killed it for me was not necessarily how funny he was, but how on point he was. Like, there were times where he would, like, where some of the things he wrote on there were just like, this is, like, real. Like, I am not a black person, but I know that he was doing a very good job of capturing his story and relaying it for people of color who want to see their stories told. And really making it a story that didn't rely on its color to be fascinating. Like, he made it a show that was, like, his show about his life, his story, and I can't relate to to a lot of it. I'm just a white boy. But (laughs) I can definitely see why it means so much for him and many people out there who who have been dying to see shows like this. That's so cool. 
I'm like, I wake up sad every morning about how I haven't watched Atlanta yet, and I really have to. I'm sure it'll be on Hulu soon, or something. Oh yeah, okay, because I don't know if FX, do they keep entire seasons up for a long time? Not on their website, they they, they take them off, but... Oh, then yeah, it better come with something soon. Okay, my favorite uh, comedy actor uh, is probably considered a guest star in the show that he is on, but I really loved his uh, performances that he did give on the show this past year, and that is Paul W. Downs in Broad City. Uh, he plays a, a trainer named Trey. Um, the character is kind of a satire on, like, the, I don't know, uh, gym rat, happy-go-lucky, you know, mega-positive lifestyle. Um, and he had an opportunity, uh, I guess, in both of my for both of my winners, I'm mentioning how they did good dramatic work, which that's kind of an oxymoron for the comedy category, but... He did. He got to do some more versatile work this season on Broad City, but was also just as funny as ever. Uh, with his delivery of lines, is just, is it's incredible. Have you seen the show ever? I've seen enough of it to quote to quote it, but I haven't seen the most recent season, so I don't have anything I can really add uh, of value to this. Like you started anymore. at some point and didn't finish. No, Did like I've seen. I've like, You're you know, when friends that would gather around and want to like say, let's watch a TV show. Right. I've and that show's a, perfect. That yeah. show comes up a lot, and so. Okay, so you know who Trey is on the show? Vaguely, yes. Vaguely, yeah. I remember him. It's been a while. Yeah, but... he got he got a more prominent storyline this season uh, with a romance with a main character. I guess I wouldn't spoil. But he did a great job with it and made me realize how attracted I am to the character and the actor. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, and I guess I should mention a runner-up that I had uh, that I didn't end up choosing, but uh, Louis Anderson, I believe that's his name, who plays... Uh, Christine Baskets on Baskets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he actually won last year. He did, yeah. The Emmy for it. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be repetition if he won again, but I really love what he does on that show. Uh, I, that whole show is so weird and interesting because I, it just, it has several things like that. It has Louis Anderson playing Zach Galifianakis' mom. It has Zach playing a set of twins. And I just, I never... Uh, it's like Ewan McGregor. I never think about those things happening as being like acting gimmicks. I just get immersed in the show and they're completely working for me as characters. Okay, so now our favorite comedy overall? Yeah, absolutely. So mine, I bet you would never guess this, but it's Atlanta. <laughs> and I mean, beyond the fact that I love, love, love Donald Glover with all my heart, um, the show is just so well written and shot. Like, I would sometimes forget that it was a comedy because I'm used to comedy shows being kind of carelessly edited or like very like like between the scene like the music transitions or like just like I don't know very bright and poppy but it was filmed like very David Lynchian almost I and mean, I don't know if you guys like David Lynch David Lynch but the show reminded me a lot of if Twin Peaks like came around and like interacted with Donald Glover's brain. Um, because a lot of the episodes were so trippy. Like, there was an episode that was, like, completely unrelated to the storyline thus far, which revolves around Earn, Donald Gilbert's character, wanting to help his cousin, I believe, or maybe his brother, um, become a big-time rapper and, and, part, and, and kind of partially succeeding in part. Um, but there's, like, an episode where he makes fun of where Donald Glover writes, like, the satire of BET, um, and there was this joke about, I believe his name was Harrison Wilde or something like that, where it was like, 
making fun of at the, at the I think like a few years ago I don't know if you guys remember the Rachel Dolezal story where the white woman was like saying that she was like pretending to be black and she made a big like there was a big fuss in the news about her um, because she was like an NAACP spokeswoman and she had her position revoked because she ended up pretending to be black but it was like the opposite where like this guy <laughs> was on the news with this fake program on BET and was like my name is Harrison Smith or whatever and I identify as a 38 year old white man I enjoy things like badminton and it was just like the funniest like jokes about the way that like um, that whole incident a few years ago went down as well as just a lot of people out there that appropriate culture and think it's funny and um, it was a big satire and I just I don't know I was my I had a roommate who loved to watch TV shows on my over my shoulder and would only catch gist of it but this one he was like he never could remember remember what I called it or what it was called but he always called it my laughing show because I would just always be on the floor at least, like, again, like, four or five times in the episode because of how funny the jokes that would just come across the screen would be. Good. All right. My favorite series uh, technically has its own category, but I, a brief Google search taught me that I think animated shows can make it into the actual comedy category. And I wish that happened more often. I think The Simpsons maybe got in, in its early years a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite comedy this last year was BoJack Horseman, which probably doesn't come as a surprise to many people who know me. <laughs> I'm completely obsessed with that show. <laughs> and in keeping with my uh, theme of highlighting, blurring the lines between comedy and drama, that's what I love about BoJack Horseman is it's basically a dramedy, but it's animated. Uh, the show looks like it would just be a cheap laughs uh, show in a similar vein to something like Family Guy or not that Family Guy is all cheap laughs I actually really like Family Guy uh, but, but, it, but yeah but it looks like a purely you know dirty raunchy joke after joke comedy which it's it's very very funny but it I think it has just as much character work and depth as as any other dramedy or even some dramas that you see on TV and so it, I think what it's it's the most truly original animated show that I think I've I've ever seen in the past few years, and so that is my favorite show, and that's coming back in September. Oh, and we're gonna definitely be covering that. Yes. Okay, on to drama. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, should I go first? I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead first then? Okay. So uh, I guess we can start with actor. My. Favorite performance in drama this past year was Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul. Did we match up? I matched up there. Yes. Yes. Nice. And you can talk about your reasons, and I'll probably match a lot of mine as well, but you go first. Okay. I just wouldn't, based on Breaking Bad and the, like, guest appearances that I'd seen Bob Odenkirk do in, in other things, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that he was... I don't know, capable of the work he does in Better Call Saul, I guess. That sounds mean. I shouldn't think it was necessarily his thing, or I didn't expect it, the show to go to the serious places that it has. But I've been amazed by how he's handled it and the complexities that he brings to the character of Jimmy and the, how he gets me to root for Jimmy and all of us to root for Jimmy, I think, he, despite the things that he does because he has he brings such a humanity to the character uh, in the way that he... Jackson, uh, his relationship with Kim. Absolutely, and I'm I completely agree. I think that I'm amazed all the time as well, thinking about how this character that was like almost comic relief on Breaking Bad, which was sorely needed at points, 
um, is this really like deep and emotional, like emotionally involved character who I never just saw coming. And I know Bob Odenkirk was like an SNL alum. He's been a lot of he's done a lot of comedy work, and that's been the, and like and you can hear that in a lot of the way he's so like with like some of the lighthearted jokes that seem to come so naturally for him. But even those are like more testament to me of the way that his dramatic acting really works because he just feels like a real person on screen. Like I would if I met him in real life but in character and didn't know the show or didn't know any of the context I probably wouldn't know that he was an actor like he just seems like somebody who really is going through the real things he's going through that he is in the show and that's really heavy stuff but like it's relatable and to me relatability is like the most important factor I think yeah. with determining a good actor and he kills it for me yeah he does cool okay uh, best actress in a drama series um so I was really, really torn about this one. I wanted to pick Carrie Coon for The Leftovers, but in favor of spreading the love, and I wanted to highlight this particular show, and I loved the female lead's performance, so I'm going to go with Elizabeth Moss and The Handmaid's Tale. So incredible, and we're going to talk a ton about this show in a minute, probably. But I, <clears throat> I had only seen Elizabeth Moss in a few movies before The Handmaid's Tale. I need to watch Mad Men still, but... I have been blown away by what she's done on that show. The amount of empathy um, and sympathy and pure emotion that she makes me feel for the character of June is is quite heart-wrenching and makes the show, uh, I don't want to say difficult to watch because I love watching it, but it, it really puts me through some difficult emotions um, more in ways that m most shows don't pull off. And... The depth, the emotions on her face when they have those extreme close-ups, it's hardcore. Like, that's some good acting, and I hope she gets some recognition for it. Oh, I Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that, because if you hadn't been spreading the love this time and the few times before, we probably would have had almost exactly calibrated, like, winners for, like, almost everything. Really? Because my first place was Carrie Coon for The Leftovers. Nice. I finally finished the third season the other day, and the last episode killed it for her. She was my one of my favorite characters this season on Fargo as well, but... I've never cried as much at, as like at silence as I have when watching Carrie Coon's performances on The Leftovers. Um, for those who haven't really don't really know the show, it's not about food. Um, it's about people <laughs> like it's like we'll talk about, we'll try talk a bit more about it um, coming up here in just a second too. But it's about people dealing with the aftermath of two percent of the world's population mysteriously vanishing one day without reason. And Carrie Coon's character Nora is one of the most affected people by that tragedy mystery whatever you want to call it and her character is a real big meditation for me and a and perfectly toned like per like like perfect like every kind of note that she needed to hit as a character that was dealing with loss like again i there, there's an episode in the second season where i cried and i cried and i cried and i haven't cried at tv shows in a long time but it's only because of the way that she just looked at the camera when she was having a really traumatic moment and when a character when an actor can just elicit emotion in me that's just like nah like just for it's just with, like without even saying anything like yeah she has i i hope she gets recognized I'm, I'm just hoping for at least a nomination for her this year yeah because the leftovers has been ignored every year yeah <laughs> but this year they, they timed it so that their really their season was right in the prime time yeah, of, know, of right? emmy noticing it has the game of thrones slot so it has the game of thrones slot and it has a 98 on Metacritic for the season, so which is super high. 
And so I'm hoping that this year it will finally get the love it deserves. And we'll go on with that with the show itself. I'll talk about that. But Okay, well, yeah, should we just go ahead and spill the beans then? Because I think we both have it for our best drama series. Is yeah, that what you're implying? yep, I'm saying I, that too. <laughs> yes, The Leftovers. I, talk, I uh, recommended the show last week, so I tried to convey how I feel about it last week. But I agree with everything Scott just said about Carrie Kim's performance and the show as a whole. It's unlike anything else I've ever seen uh, in all of the best ways. You have to watch it if you like. If you like anything at all, you have to watch it. Yeah, I was, I was reading an article today about how even if all of the best drama nominations from last year are nominated again this year, because of certain eligibility things, like with Game of Thrones and a couple other shows that ended, there's going to be at least three slots where even so even if everything nominated before comes back there are three slots that are wide open Mm -hmm. so i'm really rooting for the leftovers i'm i'm not too hopeful just because of what what i think about emmy voters i don't know but no for me i'm with you there I'm, i'm really really hoping in a show that um like that just is a supreme example of the way that that a science fiction concept could be infused with extremely powerful emotion. Um, and like a sci-fi in general is a, is a genre that many, many show many like award ceremonies at least love to push aside unless it has to do with visual effects. Um, but this show is, is more drama than sci-fi to me. Like the experience, the, the event that creates the, the catalyst for the drama is, very rarely like mentioned by name throughout the entire show it's just kind of a thing that happened and everyone is dealing with it and each and there's so many episodes that are focused on single characters that you're just like and how they feel about it and how it affected their lives it's just like crazy it's and such a difficult show to describe it really is because you say that you say the oh it's about how people dealing with how two percent of the world's population disappear mm-hmm. but i say that and then i'm like i know i know what is going into people's heads right now the cons like what kind of show they're imagining mm-hmm. and I just want to tell them like erase that because that's not the show that it is you right. can't imagine what kind of show it is unless right. you see it don't go into it thinking that because it's by Damon Lindelof that it's anything like Lost because it is not like Lost no like it's got similar like elements to Lost you can like the mystery the unexplained phenomena that come around and sometimes get answers and sometimes don't um and also there's some like flashback and kind of like elements that are used in occasional episodes, but really, that's the only comparison I can draw between Lost and The Leftovers, and it's just a show that if you really want to feel something, you, you gotta watch it. <laughs> yeah. And I also just wanted to bring up a few of my honorable mentions that I didn't mention before, I kind of got off track with those since I felt like I was talking too much, but um, just I'd love to just kind of just really briefly mention as well that Elizabeth Moss was one of my, was my second choice, I mentioned that, but I also... This season of Orange is the New Black, Danielle Brooks, who plays Tasty, ooh, her character was the redeeming quality of that whole season for me. It was just, which wasn't my favorite season of Orange is the New Black, but her character made me really again like remember her roots, or made me remember how important like the original cast was because there's so many new characters or so many characters that were just kind of in the background before in the beginning of the show, but the 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 core of the show in my exper- in my opinion in my experience watching it is. Um, people trying to still be people when they're told that they're not allowed to be. Yeah. And Daniel Brooks bringing the life to that character Tasty where who has so much like life and is so vivacious up into the end of season 4 because of what happened and then 
get some of that life back, but mostly just in, in like in a concentrated and deserved anger. It's just like she she nailed that like that uh, that quiet and loud anger right when it needed to be quiet, right when it needed to be loud. That just let us see that she wasn't like a one note character, and that just she was amazing. As well as Thandie Newton from Westworld. We haven't really talked about Westworld. Oh, yeah. But Thandie Newton's character in Westworld was... Ugh. Yeah, I thought about her too, actually. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, she... Uh, I'm not sure. She's probably considered supporting for the... She might be enemies, supporting, but, yeah. So I hope she gets a spot, because I think she deserves it 100%. Mm-hmm. She was my favorite thing about that show. Oh, mine too. Cool. So those are our, our Emmy picks, if we were voters. And probably by the time you hear this, actually, the, the actual nominations will be out, and we'll we'll talk about those next week. So, should we talk about The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so, Lindsay and I talked about the first half of the season, this first season of The Handmaid's Tale last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now we're going to talk about the remainder of the season. But Scott wasn't there last week, so I want to hear, what are your just general thoughts on The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, so, just, I guess, some brief, because I know you guys talked about it already, but... Um, I felt like it was a show that just improved upon the book. Like I've I've read, it was one of those books that you get assigned in and not, not elementary school. Shoot, not that in <laughs> high school. Really? Oh uh, yeah, no. I had never even heard of the book until I heard of the series. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of those books that I got assigned in high school. I'd heard of many times over, um, but didn't really read because I was so bad at reading books in high school, and I. But from what I remember in our discussions of it, from what I remember in um, just about what, like, just the general, like, buzz that would go on about it, even from na- even now as the shows come out, it's really faithful. But not just faithful, it improves upon the material. And that's really a cool thing to see in a show. It's not the most important thing, but it is something that I feel like is really effective in this particular case because it takes very strong source material and makes it even stronger. Yeah, just Exactly, yeah. The Leftovers, the book, is, I've heard, not the greatest, but... It's alright. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know better than I did, then. But but what the series does with that material is just... Phenomenal. Out of this world. And so it sounds like the same thing with The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, from my understanding, at least. Like, again, I didn't read it. <laughs> from from me, but I knew what the basic storyline was going to be. Um, I didn't know how, the, how it would end. We never talked about that, because, you know, I guess the teacher wanted to preserve spoilers, so i glad, glad, glad for her. I didn't have to have it spoiled for me. But I, I, I was just really blown away by, by, by first of all, how like poignant it felt, um, and also how visually stunning it was. Like so stunning. The color scheme was uh, points really washed out, but it was on purpose, I think, because it was trying to depict like you know the washed out way that the black and white society that it was being made out to be. Like this, these people were good, these people were bad, and um, and then the red of the handmaid's dresses was just like. I don't know, it was so, the perfect costume design choice, perfect color choices and, and like, palette and yeah. cinematography. I can go into some specific details when we talk about the second half here, because I don't want to, like, uh, I, I listened to your guys' podcast, or to our podcast last week, so I know we already talked about for the last, like, the first five, but I wanted, I'd rather talk about specifics of the second half here while we're here. Okay, cool. Yeah, there, <laughs> Lindsay, if she listens to this, there's probably so many things last week that I can see now in retrospect that, like, she was probably like, you have no idea. Things that I was mentioning, like... Because she had seen it all the way through She had point. seen it all, yeah. And so I was just innocently like, yeah, I kind of think Moira's alive. Like, I really hope she is. And uh, I thought she was dead. Yeah. I had to believe Janine. Right, like, I did too. Yeah, because I had watched... I, I had done my homework before. I just got really sick. But <laughs> I, and I waited until, like, recently to finish the second half. Right. Um, yeah, 
Which, I'm trying to remember what Janine, Janine even said. Like, did she just straight up say she was dead? Yeah, she just kind of looks around when 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 um, June Offred says, um, like, when she's, like, mentions her name by name because she knows that she's not there in the, in the, like, circle anymore of handmaids or something. And then, then Janine's just like, oh, yeah, she's dead. Right. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that in retrospect. Maybe that's a little cheap to fake us out like that, but... I guess it wasn't that long before they revealed that Moira was alive anyway. Yeah. Um, so I really loved throughout this second half how, like, uh, sassy, I guess, uh, June became. Just with the way she started talking to the Waterfords and um, to other people, really. Like, I loved when uh, the episode when the Mexican ambassador comes over. Mm. And uh, Mrs. Waterford is, like, making sure June's all ready and asking her her dress is all set, and June says something like, well, yeah, red's my color, and just, like, stares at Mrs. Waterford, and stuff like that all throughout the second half was, like, I was, like, clapping my hands a lot, because I was so satisfied to see June just mouth people who had treated her so badly, mm-hmm. and that whole Mexican ambassador episode freaked me out, like, oh, yeah, when she, when she directly asks June, like, like, how, how, like, like, did you choose this? Are you happy? Yeah. I was... Like, I was in physical pain by how much I wanted her to just start screaming. Because what would they have done, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I thought about throughout this entire show is if somebody did this escape attempt right now, what would happen, you know? Because I don't... Would, would they pull her out of the room kicking and screaming in front of those important visitors? Like, I don't know that they would have if she had been like, I'm here against my will, please help me. Um, yeah, no, that I, episode just drove me crazy too. Because at the very end, when the when her assistant was like, "Hey, I, can, I know your husband's alive," I was like, "She's he's faking her out." Did like you I think can't. So? I thought so. I was like, I, like at first, because I was like, I can't believe that people had to actually watch this, this show, episode by episode, because I would have died. Like the, the suspense and the way that almost yeah. every episode ended on a pretty cliffhanger or like open ended question of some kind was just like too much for me. It was like coming to the end of a chapter of the book, and if I had read the book, and being like, I gotta stop now. Right. Like that, then the, the next chapters didn't exist. Like it was just like, uh, so like I can't. I'm glad I got to watch it all at once. I was just like dying to know every time what happened next. Yeah. So speaking of Luke, uh, what did you think of his kind of bottle episode? I thought it was interesting that he, as well as Nick and everyone and a few other characters, got bottle episodes at all too. I thought that was an interesting concept. Yeah. But his episode is probably my least favorite of the season. Was it? Only because it was really confusing edit- editing wise, because. He it showed the, the parallel story of him trying to escape with Hannah and and I keep calling her Opera June, um, right around the time that they learned that they need to be hiding away to prevent her because she's going to be taken if she's found. Yeah. As well as his own personal escape attempt after she after that happened, so it was kind of like almost like the last five years where like two stories that were meeting in the middle. Yeah. And I was really confused at points because I couldn't tell because everything looked the scenery looked the same. Some of the escape areas looked the same, and so I kind of got lost a few times being trying to figure out, okay, is this Nick in after like Hannah, after June's been taken, Hannah been taken, or is this Nick while they're trying to still escape? And so it was a cool themed episode. It was cool to see that he survived and how he did it, and, yeah. and also to find hope. And you know, I've always loved a good hope. Um, like when he starts getting emotional at the end because he got the note from from June. Yeah. But I was like. Just really confused for most of the episode. I was right. like, trying to figure out who, what was happening. No, I was too, because e- even grasping the differences between the timelines, it's kind of like, wait a second, so like our base timeline is already in the past because it's 
it's like his escape journey with the bus people and that's like already done and over as far as the current timeline is concerned and then we're seeing flashbacks within that so yeah it was like a lot of layers to to digest and then to figure out the actual visual differences between them but i was i liked i was at that point in the overall story i was really craving information about how this is functioning within the outside world basically modern modern society so I was glad to have that information, and I thought it was a clever way for them to deliver it. Absolutely, and I think one of the coolest things as well was how, like, again, going back to the, the fact that it was pretty faithful to the novel, they didn't try to make some, they didn't try to, like, make their own ending. I know they're making a second season, which is coming out, I think, sometime in 2018, uh, maybe 2019, I don't know, but um, they ended it the way the book ends. The book, I looked it up afterwards to make, just to yeah, find Lindsay out. Yeah, mentioned that too. Yeah. The so end. that's interesting, that's interesting, that's more interesting to me that the, the book ends that way. Exactly, very ambiguously and yeah. just like, so what do you think is going to happen? Like, because, so let, yeah, let's review what actually happens because, so first of all, I was completely mesmerized and in love during the sequence where all the handmaids refused to kill Janine. Oh, I like, love that too. I'm such a sucker for like, <laughs> unite together and fight the power sequences mm-hmm. like an orange is the new black when they stood on the tables at some point in like season four I, yeah right before the end of it i died yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um anyway so that was incredibly moving uh and she kind of led that effort right i guess mm-hmm. so i guess that it's implied that when the people show up to take her that's the reason why mm-hmm. but nick comes in before anyone else comes to take her and says just go with it or something? I couldn't hear him very well. He was, like, just saying, like, trust them, just go with them, yeah. Yeah, was, okay. Um, and, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm worried because, you know, in that episode where where Offred tricks Commander Waterford to go with her to Jezebel's to go meet with Moira, she she claims to just have liked it or something, um, and Nick is the driver, and he keeps, like, warning Commander Waterford that Offred's up to something and stuff like that. It seems like he's still loyal to them, but it's just, like, it's, again, that ambiguity of his character... As well as just like that was the episode that also bottled on him was the one where she tried yeah. to go there, but it like shows flashbacks of how he became the driver. But it was just like I don't know what to believe. Like he came in there and said that to her, but maybe he's saying that to her because he wants her to not fight back because she knows he knows her personality. She'll fight back. Yeah, yeah. I almost can't quite tell um, what the show wants us to think of him. Like, yeah. I think we're supposed to think he's ambiguous and maybe we can't trust him. But I don't know. Sometimes the way he's presented in some scenes, it seems like we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, like, Nick is our comfort here. Mm. But, yeah, so he told her not to worry. Who knows if that's the sole reason why she seemed as calm as she did while she was escorted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, to I love that she just whispered bathtub to uh, Aunt Rita. Is that her name? No Martha. Uh, or, Aunt Rita was the was the Martha. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she went in and found the letters. I've mm-hmm. I've been really interested in her character because I perceive this like warmth from her, and I like trust her for some reason, even though she's really not done anything. Yeah. To seem like she would be on board with the rebellion of any kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm glad that she immediately went into the bathtub and found the letters. So hopefully she does something good with those. Um, and I was really stressed out by Alfred or June opening those, by the way, because I remembered that Alma said not to open the package. So hopefully that's not a problem. Uh, so that happens. She goes downstairs and is escorted out um, against the Waterford's wishes and is put into this... Mysterious black van. 
black band and taken away, but she's kind of smiling, right? In exactly, yeah. She kind of she seems like she feels like this is good for her. Like, she's... T- I mean, because like, the other... Uh, one of the other um, handmaids, I believe her name is Alma, um, the one that in the very first episode like almost got in trouble for claiming to have read the news... Yeah, um, I love her. Yeah, she's like so one of the also strangely lovable under like underrated characters. But she comes up to Alfred and mentions that like they know about her wanting to join the Mayday Resistance and that she would be part of it. And so I believe that's at least what we're led to believe that June believes that she's going to be that that's where she's going as under the guise of an eye takeaway. Oh, that's where she's being taken so, to. So you think that we think as an audience that all those men were in on Mayday? That's where I think that's what we since we're in the mind of June for because yeah. we literally hear her thoughts. Right. I think we're trying to be led to believe that, and I don't know. The show is very very dark and glum, and the fact that there's 13 more episodes coming out pretty soon. Oh, they're doing a 13 episode second season. Yeah. Wow. Makes me wonder if it's just not going to be tied up in a neat bow like that. Well, like, yeah. So it almost can't be that that's made it unless we find way. out season two is like her like. Becoming a leader in the resistance, yeah, like, which I just think going ham on everybody, yeah, uh, yeah. I know because I've wondered just I've wondered how tired the setting will feel if, if there's like literally seasons of whatever the place is called Gilead existing mm-hmm. and not being overthrown. <laughs> Maybe that would get too, I don't know, gloomy for people. So it'll be interesting to see how long they draw it out because I'm, I mean, I expect the show overall to be an arc of the resistance winning, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to say mm-hmm. about the second half of the season? Just that I'm excited for next season to come out. Like, yeah, I also, when you, when you mentioned before that we were both nervous that Moira had died for real after that happened, uh-huh. I was so relieved because spoiler alert for season four of orange is the new black. Samira Wiley dies at the end of that season, and I was, like, praying for not another TV show to just knock her oh, off. Oh, right, yeah. Because I love her as an actress and as a person. I've read a... I, 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 I just get these little celebrity crushes, I guess. <laughs> and even if they're not, like, super famous celebrities, but one time I saw Samira Wiley in, like, an insurance commercial, and I was like, ah! <laughs> and it's the same way for this show. Like, I saw her on this show being herself, reminded me so much of the way that, of her character on Orange is the New Black, yeah. P. Um, Pusey as she's called, uh, as her name, I guess, um, which I always am, like, so scared to pronounce wrong, um, but I was just so glad to see her become a pretty major character throughout the show as yeah. well. Like, I thought she might be a one-note character or a one-episode guest actress as well, given the fact that she was said to have died, I think, at the first episode. Yeah. But she came along and became one of the major players, and she's, I'm so excited to see she made it. She did. Uh, yeah, I definitely cried when she and Luke were reunited. In the finale. Uh, Luke, who is Frank from Looking, by the way, he's Augustine's boyfriend in the first season. I did not know that. Really? Uh, no. I've been thinking about that the whole time. And I think the actor's gay, too, which, like, and as a gay person myself, like, obviously, I, I mean, I'm for gay actors being able to play straight roles, but I just wasn't able to stop seeing him as Frank the Gay from Looking the whole time. No way! I did not even make that connection. That's yeah. so crazy. <laughs> uh... But anyway, yeah, so that's The Handmaid's Tale, season one. We're looking forward to season two. I've got Hulu's in the game now, I think. Like, I think this is kind of their first original that's really taken off that I've actually heard people talking about. Right, it's the first one I've seen a lot of talk about. I mean, they have some pretty good stuff on there. Like, I've heard The Path is pretty good. 
and I've heard Casual yeah. is really, really good. Just very underrated. People don't really watch it as much, but it's like a very funny show. And I guess they technically make the mini project now, but... Technically, but I the mini project... I <laughs> Yeah, the mini project has kind of died as well. Yeah. Like, it, the first season that, that I'm partway through right now is pretty funny, but I just can't stop thinking of her as Kelly Kapoor and really wishing she would be as funny as Kelly really? was. <laughs> uh, so cool. Uh, we're already an hour in, but... So we can be brief with Snowfall. We're about to watch the second episode, it's airing tonight on FX, mm-hmm. so we both already watched the first episode, not under the impression that either of us super love it so far. So far, it's not my favorite either. Um, I love the style, and I love the soundtrack. I love a lot of the, like, the elements of it that are really immersing you in the 80s. I can already tell that some of the actors are going to be characters that I might like, but I feel like the writing, editing, and some of the, some of the acting itself... Like outside of the fact that they may be charismatic actors, um, is a little lacking in the first episode. Yeah. Um, I we're gonna watch the second episode. We'll come back around with some thoughts we have. Maybe give some cumulative thoughts that maybe maybe if the second episode improved on the first. But so far, I'm a little bit less than enthused. I was super excited about it because I thought this could be similar. Like I said, I love crime dramas, almost love I, I love drug dramas if that's even a genre. Like Breaking Bad is my all time favorite TV show, and I know that you can't really shouldn't compare shows, especially when Different eras, different different things, different different actors, different writers. But I kind of hoped it maybe would be on the caliber of Breaking Bad in the first pilot episode, which the pilot episode of Breaking Bad is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. A little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, a lot of, and a lot of my favorite shows don't have the best pilots, so maybe this will turn into one of those. But I'm also a little underwhelmed so far. I'm pretty interested in the content level because uh, between this and Feud, I think FX is just like done regulating their content. I mean, in Atlanta had pretty much no qualms about dropping F-bombs. Really? It had F-bombs and, a flying? Oh, a flying, yeah. And Interesting. I mean, Fargo had its first F-bomb it dropped this last season when the big fight between the Ewan, Mag- Ewan McGregor twins on the bus. Oh, that's right. It was the first time that that show had ever dropped on anything above um, shit. But the... Uh, yeah, but this show as well as like you said i've heard feud was like feud it as did well. all feud did tons of f-bombs every episode and a c-word and at least a couple of them wow so, i did not hear about the c-word but yeah um i was gonna say yeah i have a feud atlanta um and then there was another show oh the americans also is getting into that i'm not quite to the la- most recent season of it but but, they but there's no they're, they're getting up there with like oh, okay. like they're like they're stepping it up i'm in the second i'm in the second half I'm like very end of the second season and I've never heard them curse as often as they've been cursing right. in the entire first and first half of the second season. It's like FX like took license because they're late night programming to start cursing. Yeah, but it's okay with. And again, we talked about this before. Yeah, we have. It's like my favorite topic for some reason. But I just think it's interesting the like when they change the limits the, themselves because the, I I took a class about this last year. Um, how because they're basic cable that you have to pay for to get the channel, they're technically allowed to do anything they want. They have the same uh, freedom as HBO, but the reason that they haven't taken that in the past is because of advertising, because they still depend on advertisers to back their shows, and it's, I guess, a common sentiment that if your show is super vulgar or profane or sexually graphic, then advertisers won't want to back it. But it seems like they're not as concerned about that anymore, so... I think they just have so much backing because most of their shows are so popular. Yeah, more and more I'm seeing FX as not even HBO Junior anymore. It's like it's pretty much equivalent to HBO to me as far as the quality I expect. 
maybe even surpassing HBO. Like I think there are more epic shows that I love now more than more than HBO. But this is all relevant because that's kind of a reason that Snowfall was interesting to me is because FX is becoming a network where the network itself is intrigued for me to see a show. Even though I know that networks don't develop shows, they pick them up when they're already being developed by someone else. But but I agree. I, good projects. Yeah, I think FX is one of the shows. Like I was like I was actually thinking this right before you we started recording. I was like, I'm getting to the point where HBO's HBO and FX are two channels that I can always trust to produce at least decent like and like like content that I will be willing to watch. Yeah. Because like while Snowfall is not my favorite, like in the first episode, it could get better. And but there's so many other FX shows we've, that we've mentioned today: Basket, The Americans, Fargo, um, Legion. I believe is an Legion FX show, awesome. and I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, all shows that just are so high quality that deserve to be like, that could be an HBO show. Yeah, exactly. AMC is actually pretty up there too as well, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, they make some quality shows too. But I, but definitely FX, definitely HBO, most of the time AMC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so we will go watch episode two of Snowfall. Hopefully it'll win us over a little more and then get we... some... Sorry, what? No, you go ahead. No, you oh, go I was just going to say, we'll come back with some uh, kind of brief thoughts on it since we're already so far into I was going to say, we'll try to keep it brief so that we don't make you sit here and listen for like the length of a full-length yeah. movie. But you're like driving or something, so it's fine. It's fine. Okay. The credits just started rolling. At least for time. us, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay. Episode 2 of Snowfall. I liked it more than the pilot. I did too. I think it was better than the pilot, and it took parts of the pilot that were confusing or left unexplained that ought to have had a bit more explanation uh, and gave them a bit more depth. I still can't say that I'm, like, impressed. Like, I'm not like, yeah, like, I'm really stoked on watching the show next week. I'll still watch it, but I'm not, like, thrilled. My The reason being still is that I feel like a lot of what's happening that isn't being explained very clearly still is happening way too fast. And just, like, I don't know how they're going to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of things, which plot points do you feel are, are doing that? I just feel like that the main character, like, um, his name is, like, a, uh, Frank? Franklin, is, yeah. Franklin, I was going to call him Christopher. Um, Frank Saint, um, he... Has basically just been welcomed with open arms into this cocaine dealer. Like, I mean, he's doing some tasks right now to prove his trust, but like, it just seems like he walked on there one day, was bold enough to stand there with a bulletproof vest, and then suddenly he's in. Yeah. And I just feel like that was a little bit too. Like, I say that with my own grain of salt because the one thing I didn't like as much about Breaking the the one of the few parts I didn't like about Breaking Bad was the very first episode. Where Walter goes on, like, he watches one TV program about a, a bust uh, mm-hmm. of meth, and suddenly he's like, Hey, Hank, you want to take me on a trip with you so I can see you out and so I can join the meth trade myself? Like, it just didn't seem like a very. It was a very odd characterization when we're introduced to a very mild mannered and self made character. Yeah, I know that Franklin at the very beginning of the first episode is dealing weed, but. It just didn't seem like he was all that dissatisfied with that to go from that to wanting to make all that much more. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I'm not I don't know that they've explained any motives for him well enough to be diving headfirst into something like this. And maybe we'll see it more. I feel like there's some mystery that we haven't been told yet. Like we don't know what this dead CIA operative that's being taken over by the 
mysterious background operative who had a breakdown or something because he mentioned that one or once or twice we don't know what his secret mission was or i don't understand it at least unless it's just alluding to that conspiracy yeah about how the cia is the reason that um crack became such an epidemic a quote-unquote epidemic in the mid 80s and and especially in southern la yeah i can i can get into drug crime stories uh in general, if certain things are in place for me, mainly if it feels like a really personal story, and so far, this one doesn't to me very much. I mean, definitely not to the point of something like Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, even a couple episodes in, I think I cared a lot more about Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and so this one maybe is just, I don't know, throwing us in too deep to begin with. And I know that can be a technique that sometimes works really well with shows, is throwing you in without bothering too much with exposition. I can respect that in in some ways, but I think for me personally, with this kind of storyline, I need to start with something more basic and personal to get invested, and just jumping in with all these people that are established drug dealers, it's not... Those storylines aren't interesting, me that, interesting to me that much. I agree. I think that's, I think that's, you put to words what I was trying to say just now, but I wasn't doing a very clear or good job of, but I also feel like there's some points that really could be way better about a drug dealer kind of story as this is very much clearly about. I mean, maybe it'll be, it'll be more than that. I mean, and I'm not saying that's only what it is, but like, it's got really high bar to live up to with a lot of other drug crime stories yeah. out there including ones about crack and cocaine. I mean, Zootopia could be argued to kind of be about that. I mentioned that to Jake before we got started, but there's a whole allegory to Zootopia that's very similar to this epidemic of crack in the 80s. Um, And right now the storytelling is just not capturing me as well as I'd like it, as well as I think it should have, based on the advertisement, based on the concept, and based on um, some of the, I mean, directors, I mean, John Singleton's one of the creators of the show, and he had some awesome work with, like, Boys in the Hood, and a few other early works of his. His later work isn't as great, and it's kind of maybe reflecting in this show as well, but I'm hoping that this could be a turnaround for him. Yeah. I I mean, I was, like, medium sold on the final sequence, uh, where, I mean, we always do spoilers on this podcast, where Franklin is robbed. Well, apparently it's not a spoiler because Scott said it's the promotional image for this episode. Yeah, I was a little bit, like, <laughs> perturbed because I was waiting the entire time for that. I thought it might happen in the beginning or something because when you look on FX.com, the next episode has Franklin on the ground and bloody, and so you assume something's happened, like he's dead or... Which would have been a crazy twist to show. Like, Ooh, that would have been. I would have been a little bit shocked by that. It would have been more like the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Of, yeah, of, of cocaine dramas. Of cocaine dramas, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I'm definitely a sucker for, like, ironic music choices, and this had, I didn't actually know the song, maybe I'm supposed to, maybe it's famous, but some sort of a rather upbeat 80s song was playing while Franklin was getting mugged, and the money from the deal he had just done was stolen from him. That kind of storyline is probably maybe cliche for drug dealing dramas, Mm -hmm. but it's something that's easy for me to get invested in. So I, I am at least mildly interested to see where the story goes from here with him having to to report back to the guy. I, besides Franklin, I don't know any of the characters' names. I yeah, think. I only remember Franklin and then Teddy because I remember that he's that's t- right. Teddy yeah. Mac. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, right now that's my best memory of the characters as well. Yeah. 
So we'll we'll stick with it for a bit, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think on this podcast we'll generally be open probably to, especially with new shows, if we're not digging them after a while, to switching to covering something else. Right. And, and we, suggestions from you guys, too. Yeah, yeah. And tell us on Facebook and Twitter what you think of Snowfall so far. Um, but there's a lot of... We've been in kind of a little... Uh, we've struggled a little bit to find shows in the past few weeks, but uh, coming up for fall, starting in August even, like there's tons of stuff coming up that I'm excited about. So, we said we'd keep it brief. Any more thoughts about Snowfall? Before we... Not today, no. I I think that I'm just really excited for next week. Yeah. It'll be Game of Thrones back again. That's right. Uh, yeah, next week we're discussing Game of Thrones, and... Uh, next week's episode of Snowfall, and we'll also go over the Emmy nominations, whether you look at them or not, we'll read them to you and tell you our thoughts on them. Uh, real quick, shows we want you to watch. I will go ahead and formally recommend a show that we mention all the time on the podcast, but I don't think anyone's actually come out and said, you should watch this show yet, and that is Veep on HBO. Just finished its, was it six? Wow, yeah, it's six Sixth season just ended a few weeks ago. And yeah. I think it's renewed for seven. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it's it's losing its ratings, kind of the same. Better Call Saul is, but it's, uh, what do you call it? Because it's an award, an Emmy Award freight train. It wins the Emmy Award every year for Best Actress in Comedy, and it's right. been winning the Best Comedy Show over the last two years, I think. Yeah. Um, and then won it. I think its first season as well. Maybe I'm not positive on that. Um, yeah, it's like HBO wants it just for the fact that it, they want to have shows that they can put Emmy winning actress exactly whatever oh yeah it's their it's their critical power prestige that's the word comedies. i'm looking for yeah. yeah uh and deservedly so i think if you somehow don't know what beep is it stars uh julia louis dreyfus of seinfeld fame as uh in season one we meet her as the vice president of the united states i won't say any more about what happens to her storyline to avoid spoilers but um in essence the show each episode is generally about her and her team screwing up behind the scenes. And there's a lot of funny commentary on politics and just rapid-fire jokes, particularly insults. That's kind of mm. where Beep specializes. It's insults, creative insults. Yeah. Uh, the characters are brutal and ruthless to each other. So if you like mean humor, then this show will be right up your alley. And I'm sure you've seen it by now if you like mean humor anyway, because it's the uh, it's the modern bar for, for mean humor, and I love it. Yeah, I come on, I've got lots of great insults up my sleeve just because of the show. And it's also so funny to just watch someone who's like Julia said it on her like her own like Emmy Award winning Emmy Award like speech last year, but she's like it's crazy that a TV show that was meant to be satire is becoming more reality and you find out that her ego in that show is so similar to some egos we see in modern politics. Yeah. At least in the public spheres. Like hers is more private, we don't see it as often. But a show I can recommend for sure. I don't know if it's already been recommended either, but I've but in the in the vein of drug dramas that I love so much, Narcos. I don't know if um, it's a Netflix original. It's about it's a, it's kind of a docudrama. It uses a lot of original footage from the Pablo Escobar case, but it's out for this. It's its second season is out and it's renewed for three more seasons. I'm not sure where they'll oh, really wow. go because it, it, I, I was pretty sure it was following the story of Pablo Escobar, and by the end of the first season, it comes close to wrapping up. That story, but I'm guessing it'll probably expand on it, or it'll um, maybe maybe become less based in, in reality. Don't know, but it was a solidly made produced show um, about the drug trade in Colombia and other parts of South America, and the uh, I believe also same time frame as Snowfall, mid 1980s. It's probably 
what kind of spurred on the snowfall craze as well with the huge influx of coke from South America into the United States uh, by popular demand. And so, yeah, it's really well made. It's got some, for those Game of Thrones fans, Oberyn Martell, Pedro Pascal plays oh, cool. a main character in it. And I loved him in the fourth season and I loved and I liked seeing him as another character in this season or in the show, I mean. And I believe the third season is, is renewed to be coming out here pretty soon. It comes out usually every August. So look forward to that, and yeah. I had no idea that Netflix hadn't invested so far into that show's future. Three more seasons? As far as I've been aware, yeah, I read that online somewhere. Because That's... I think the first season especially was really successful, like it was, was really it? talked about, okay. and really wa- and highly watched. But then, yeah, I think, I mean, they may have over-invested. Don't know, we'll see. Yeah. But, um... Because I don't hear about it that much. Every time I see something about it online, it's positive, but as far as, like, people talking about it all the time and saying you have to see this, I don't hear that much about it. Mm. So, but I, 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 but for a show that I hear great things about, I'm, I'm in full support of it getting lots of seasons, so I hope it lives it out. Yeah, me too. Cool. Uh, anything else? Or are we done? Yeah, I think that's it for me today. I mean, like I said, look forward next week to Game of Thrones, more on Snowfall, and Emmy nominations come out tomorrow morning sometime, like we said, and so we'll probably discuss what we feel about those. Be angry, be happy, be happy maybe be shocked. Probably a lot of anger, but I would love a pleasant leftovers surprise. Oh, I would love one too. So cool. Find us on Facebook if you haven't already. Bingeable Podcast. I think that's actually a surprisingly unique phrase, so it should be easy to find. Uh, at BingeableCast on Twitter. And uh, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You know, the usual podcast stuff. Rating and reviewing helps us become more visible, so we'd always appreciate that. Thank you for listening this long. See you next week. See ya.